Welcome in. It's the BCJ Podcast on BearcatJournal.com. I'm Chad Brendel. He's Justin Berg. The Bearcats are 18-3. and three. It is the middle of basketball season. We've got a bit of a, a lull right now with no games during the week this week following the big road win at Temple on Sunday. Action will resume on Saturday night against SMU at home. And then a very tough week ahead. A very tough week ahead with trips to Memphis and Houston uh, on the horizon. And Memphis looking like they are uh, going to cost me a, a dinner. Or Tem- well, Temple's going to cost me the dinner. I should have I should have went with Memphis instead of UConn. I think Memphis is going to finish ahead of Temple. <laughs> well, they, let's see if they can win on the road, though. They really yeah, haven't that's show, shown that yet. Uh, but before we get started, would like to let everyone know that the Don't Shoplift tradition T-shirts and hoodies are now live at 513shirts.com. Go to 513shirts.com. Go to Partners. Drop down, and you'll see Bearcat Journal. And that's where you can get your Don't Shoplift Tradition T-shirts and hoodies. For those that uh, that, that aren't familiar with where this came from, it was after the Tulsa game, and we were sitting in the uh, post-game media talking to Trayvon Scott and Justin Jennifer, and, and Trayvon dropped that line on us. We were all kind of like tell us more yeah uh don't shoplift tradition and and basically it's something mick has been uh addressing the team with this year in terms of um you don't get to be a great rebounder just because you got cincinnati on your chest you you don't get to be a great defense just because you got cincinnati on your chest um you know so so don't don't steal what those guys have have laid in place to be a great rebounder you got to go out and rebound to be a great defender, you got to go out and play great defense. So don't shoplift tradition. And uh, I, I thought that was uh, something that 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 you know is a pretty good message for a team that had so many moving parts and so many new pieces in place, and a team that's that's starting to come together and find their identity. And uh, I wanted to get that on a t-shirt. And the guys at Five One Three Shirts did a great job. Um, the hoodie too, right? Yeah, the hoodie and the T-shirt. I, you're you're all about the hoodie. Yeah, well, especially cold weather right now. I don't need a T-shirt. I got plenty of those. <laughs> I I looked outside this morning. It looked like. I don't, are you a Star Wars guy? No, no. It looked like I had been transformed to the planet Hoth, which is the the snow planet on Star Wars, where it, it just looked like the there was snow blowing uh, across the window. It it, it looked like frozen tundra in my backyard it's ridiculous and i hate it and um it it was it's one of those it always reminds me about this time of year i moved out to los angeles in my 20s berg did you and yeah i lived out in uh, on hermosa beach for a little while and everybody you're gonna miss the seasons no no you know the only thing i didn't miss while i was in los angeles this (laughs) (laughs) this <laughs> <laughs> i remember i was out there for about a year i remember calling back home that christmas and they were like what's the weather like out there and i was like well it's 86 and we're on the beach and flip-flops playing football and grilling out and what are you guys doing uh it's four i was like yeah <laughs> i'll be a- i'll be home in the summer not coming home now but, yeah, you can get T-shirts if you live in Los Angeles. If you live in Cincinnati right now, you're probably going to want to get the hoodie. <laughs> 513shirts.com. All orders over $55 get free shipping. So get you a couple things in there. We've got all the Bearcat Journal gear, the Red Helms gear, 
And now don't shoplift tradition as well as the Bearcat Journal hats and, and beanies and uh, all kinds of good stuff from our friends at 513shirts.com. While you're there, check out the rest of the site. A lot of good stuff from diehard, diehard Bearcat fans. You're not just supporting Bearcat Journal when you buy from 513shirts.com. You are supporting diehard Bearcat fans that run the company. So go do that. All right, Berg. Cincinnati falls behind 7-0. They trail by 10 at halftime. They trail by 14 two minutes into the second half. And I know you, you were done, weren't you? Yep. I was done before the game started, as I predicted. I just felt like this was just one of those. It's hard to it's hard enough to win at the Leah Chorus Center, but UC had won there two years in a row. Three years in a row, really? And Temple had already beaten Houston there? I just I just didn't see it. I, I well, especially down fourteen and uh not defending well. Um offense was a struggle. They they were rebounding well. Um but that was about it at that point. And then the light went on. They they kind of they had played a little bit of that switching man-to-man at the end of the first half. They played it to start the second half as well. But they really started to find their legs in that switching man-to-man defense. They shut off the three-point line. They started turning Temple over a little bit more. Uh, very hard to do. They're a team It's very tough to get deflections on, very tough to get turnovers on. Uh, but started disrupting them a little more. Went to the... Kind of three-quarter court token pressure, um, which was really I thought that was maybe the biggest change, Berg. I, I don't know about you, but keeping them from getting into their offense until there was 15, 16 seconds on the shot clock, I thought really bothered Temple. Yeah, well, they disrupted their rhythm. They couldn't do that in the first half. Part of that was that Temple was beating the Bearcats off the dribble a little bit, drawing some people to go help, which would leave a guy like, I don't know, the four, a 47% three-point shooter, J.P. Mormon, open in the corner twice. So, yeah, in the second half, they just matched up better. They dug in and were able to stay in front. And you look at Temple. So, Shiz Alston makes the first three in the second half, which was the old, of course, here we go. Yeah. Just, just got it to 10. He does that. But then after that, they didn't make another one until he made a meaningless one pretty much. In the last 10 seconds, they were, I think they missed their next 10. And you saw uh, one of the big reasons why was the, the play of Eliel Soseme, who was in for Nasir Brooks, who, I mean, I would love for somebody. I know that um, sometimes the coaching staff, uh, definitely Greg Yunkowski, he'll cut together some clips and he did like every dunk or whatever the case is. How about every foul that's been called on Nasir Brooks this year? I bet you He's at least sixty-five percent of them were not fouls, and those two in the second half, at least the first one. The second one, it looked like he he bumped him, but it was he went straight up. So either way, he was on the bench with four fouls. So Semi comes in, he's really locking down the perimeter, blocks some shots, and was just uh, you know a menace on the defensive glass as well. So he was a big factor in the defensive surge. And then you look on the other side of the ball and. You know, as Coach Cronin talked about, only having two turnovers that whole half was was enormous because eight in the first half and turnovers are like double double whammies against Temple because not only do you not get a shot up, but they just stay cherry picker. I guess you could say leak out with with athletes that beat you down the floor and they get layups. They got a few of those in the first half. So it's you don't get a shot and they get a two before you can set your defense. You take that out of the equation that that took some stuff away from Temple. The three point shot was taken away, which was 
what you know they got Temple got seven in the first half. That's a big percentage of their their points. So they stalled out, and yeah, UC started chipping away, chipping away, and then the big shot by Cumberland cuts it to five with plenty of time left. And here we go, we got a ball game. That was such a huge momentum shift. It's at nine. UC can't really make a shot. Jennifer had just gotten the lid off the three point shot, um, making the first one. What they were over their first ten, I believe. Yep. Uh, and and then Jennifer pops one in, and then Cumberland. Uh, great screen, if you watch that play. Great screen by Logan Johnson, uh, which caused the late closeout, which resulted in the foul. Um, and, and Cumberland nails it, goes to the, th- the, the free throw line for a four-point play. All of a sudden, a nine-point game is a five-point game. And it, at that point, it was like, I they're probably going to win this game. Yeah, I don't, know, crowd, I don't know about yeah. you, yeah. yeah I, I just felt like tight, yeah. th- at that point, it was like, they're going to win this game. I And – they they just smothered Temple in that second half. They couldn't really, outside of J.P. Mormon hitting a couple ridiculous shots. Yeah. The how about the uh, the George Gervin the Iceman scoop? See, that was another one of those man. This just it isn't going to happen <laughs> moments. <laughs> yeah, that that was one you just threw your hands up. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah. I but mean, the, yeah. Left to right across the lane, one handed underneath and scoops it up oh give me a break yeah right in too no backboard yeah like that was one that you just throw your hands in the air yeah and, and i'm not talking wave them like you just don't care either. <laughs> yeah and and like you said they they smothered them but also i mean i'd like to go back i did watch it i, I should have probably kept a tally but how many rebounds did you see get total that out of the total because if you look on ken palm it has their defensive rebounds 30 defensive rebounds and it has a percentage, 91%. Temple only got three offensive rebounds, right? So I guess that's 30 out of crazy. 30 out of 33. Yeah, that's what it was. 30 out of 33 rebounds <laughs> that they could have gotten. They got 30 of them. And on the other end, they get, you know, then they get 16 offensive rebounds for good measure. Uh, Keith Williams, I mean, everybody. Trevor Moore banks one in on a missed. Ellie also semi misses two free throws. Trevor Moore works his way in there, gets it, puts it back up and in. If you're a Temple fan, you gotta be you just gotta be going out of your mind. What is going on in the glass here? You guys even trying? Trevor so was, was standing just, yeah. all alone in the middle of the lane. Like the Red Sea parted. Yeah. I don't know what kind of <laughs> I'm not sure either. what Yeah, and, and if you I know there's some there's some Temple fans out there that uh not huge not huge Dumphy fans. I think they're kinda ready to move on to Aaron McKee. And that game yesterday I think pushed some people over the edge with that. Which is unfortunate because everybody loves Fran and you know he's had a lot of success and he's had a great career. But really, if, if your team gets out rebounded like that at home, forty six to twenty two is that's just I mean you just don't see that and especially in a Temple Cincinnati game that's very physical. It's uh, it's inexcusable for them and that was really the the difference. Now the, the the one thing that UC got away with, and this is something that they they really need to clean up and it's it's it's. You know, playing defense without fouling. They put Temple on the line 31 times. And if Temple shoots their, their – they shot 61% from the line in that game. They were 73 coming in. If they shoot their regular percentage, UC probably doesn't win, or at least it goes to overtime. So they dodged the bullet there. But other than that, yeah, just swarmed them, took over, took control of the game, and uh, had like a com- almost a comfortable lead in the last couple of minutes. It was crazy. Uh, I, I thought Mick did a really good job using the bench as well in this game. Mm. Um, and this is, you know, it's been talked about a little bit. 
Um, it hasn't been as big of a deal because they're getting really good minutes from pretty much all five starters. Uh, and then Kane Broom has been, you know, he, he's coming on a little bit more uh, of late, but has been kind of hit and miss. Um, but you're starting to see, like, Logan Johnson is finding a role on this team. Eliel Sasemi, uh, and I got I to gotta give a shout-out to my guy, uh, Spencer Tuckerman. I know you had him on the Everything's Jelly podcast. I got to give a shout out to him. Did you see what he came up with? No. What do you What do you have? Sesame Street. Oh, I did see that. That was good. That was. <laughs> I was like, that's that's pretty sharp. Yeah, that's pretty sharp. Uh, that one That one might stick. <laughs> that one might stick. Um, but you know, they're still trying to find something for Rashawn Fredericks. Still trying to to work him in, but. I thought Trevor Morris started to give really good minutes. Um, Mamadou was coming in a little bit more and, and playing pretty well when he gets a chance to see the floor. And pointing uh, to the rim. Yeah. For an alley-oop. Yeah, pointing to the rim. That's his favorite thing. If you watch Mamadou, Justin and I joke about this regularly. If you watch Mamadou, every about seven seconds on offense, Mamadou points to the rim for an alley-oop. <laughs> He's always ready for an alley-oop. Always. Got to get him one. It's been a while. I think it was like the, the game right before Christmas where it was the last time he really had one. Set a screen, point to the rim for an alley. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, Mick is doing a, a pretty good job developing because I, I that's we've talked about the inexperience with the guys that are playing a lot. There's even more inexperience with everybody that's behind them. And bringing those guys along, it was going to take a little bit of time. It was going to have to happen kind of organically. But now we're getting, you know, there's 10 games left or the 10, pretty much the 10 biggest games of the season um, all consecutively. I mean, you know, SMU, you should probably beat at home. Wichita State, you should you should probably beat at home. But ultimately, I mean, nothing's going to come easy over these last 10 games. And having those guys on the bench ready to come in and give quality minutes is critical for this team, Justin. Yeah, 14 points, 18 rebounds total from the bench, so. I mean that's you know when you when you're down by 14 and again on the road you need every bit of the every bit of that production and like you said you know Fredericks he's had his moments this year I think he's just it's hard to put him at the four and a lot of times actually especially with these a lot of these teams play the four and you know round one I mean Mick's been playing four guards a lot lately with with Trevor Moore in there and Keith Williams and and then you know Jennifer and Cumberland or, or Broom and Cumberland so. So really, and, and you know, and Trayvon plays a lot of minutes. So just haven't been able to really find anything consistent for him. But I think he'll have a moment where he'll he'll make some plays at some point. But yeah, Logan was Logan was the the front running story from the bench because in the first half his activity really kept them in the ball game. It was twelve to two when he blocks that one off the glass on one of their leak outs off the turnover. So you know it could have been fourteen to two. Um, of course, he he missed a dunk and uh, he took a questionable three in the second half. But really, other than that, I mean, he, he, he gives you a couple of buckets, a couple of free throws, an offensive board, two defensive boards, an assist, um, two steals, uh, you know, in, in only 11 minutes. I mean, it was like when he gets in there, it's like, it's like you know, like there's a, there's a lot of action. He packs a lot into the, the short spurts that he gets on the floor. And in the first half, it was interesting because I think he – I think. Cronin was probably just saying, I need somebody like him in there. And, and, you know, it, it, he put him in there for Justin for, I mean, Justin only plays 24 minutes in this game, which is, right. 
you know, below his what he's been playing. So you have a versatile. You have you have different guys who can who can bring different things to the table with Kane and Logan and Justin. It just depends on what's going on in the game. And Mick seems to have like a pretty good pulse on you know who he needs to play at different times this season. Yeah, I I think the end of the first half, that final segment, uh, the final four minutes of the first half, Logan was the difference in in them only being down ten instead of. 14 15 16 yep um he, he finally looked like he disrupted because that was that was really the only segment the entire first half they looked uncomfortable on offense um and, and they finally turned it over a couple times UC turned it into a couple points uh it wasn't like some seismic shift but I really thought the way that game was trending if he doesn't make the impact he did in those final three and a half, four minutes, I do think that that game might be out of reach before it gets to halftime. Yeah, and he also harassed Shiz Austin a little bit. They, they put you – know, they, Well, yeah, they, that's, they, that was yeah. – they were trying to wear Shiz Austin down. That's right. why they were running so many bodies out there. Yeah, and he ended up with four turnovers. So it, it, it worked to an extent, and he's – I mean, he's what – he was eight for 15. Or I'm sorry, he was uh, five for 12 from the field. Not great, but he still makes four threes. One didn't really matter. So, yeah, it, it, so, you know, and then, like I mentioned before, Sosemi, and then your buddy Trevor Moore is turning into one of the best rebounders on the team. <laughs> the guy's got five rebounds total, two on the offensive end. Mick said he's never seen eight different guys have offensive rebounds. That's what was crazy because they had 16 total, and that was split between eight different players. So everybody was doing what they had to do. And the other factor in this game – oh, go ahead, sorry. I was going to say they also had, what, eight guys with three or more rebounds total on the game. Yeah, it was – yeah, everybody was – it was it was all hands on deck. And I think if you're looking – and I, I haven't asked Mick this. I'm just assuming because he's done this in the past with Troy Copain is when they start struggling on the, on the rebounding, especially on the defensive side, he'll ask one of his guards to help out a little more. And you saw games in the past where Troy would get like nine defensive rebounds. And Jaron the last few games has really ramped up his rebounding totals. He wasn't – really a factor at all on the glass. And, um, you know, he has eight rebounds in the Temple game. And I think he had, I think he's had 14 defensive total in the last three. So he's helping out, whereas you're not just asking your big guys to do all the work. So it's, it's, it's been by committee. And the other thing with this game was when Keith Williams goes down with two fouls within the first two minutes of the game, and, you know, you see struggles, especially on offense, and then he plays the you know the majority. He ends up with 21 minutes. So he played what 19 in the second half. Yeah. UC was plus whatever you know whatever. So down 10. So plus 14 in the second half, minus 10 in the first half with him largely on the bench. So, and the analytics backed this up that he's very important to the team. Um, he's they're better on offense and defense, especially defense with him on the floor. He's getting there. The strides he's made this year have been really really impressive. Yeah. Um, something Mick mentioned post game that I want your take on Jaron Cumberland, uh, if he returns for his senior season, uh, trimming down and playing a, a lot of point guard, like dedicated point guard, not off guard that brings up the ball, but actually like Jaron is our point guard. Um, Mick thought one, it would be a benefit. It could be a benefit to the team. And two, it could be a benefit to Jaron trying to enhance his uh, value in the eyes of NBA scouts. Uh, what What are your thoughts on potentially going forward, seeing Jaron Cumberland point guard at six foot five and 
strong as an ox. Well, I think I, I, I've made this comparison earlier in his career, but he's kind of a LeBron-ish type of player. He, he's he's a big, strong dude who's – I mean, he's really improved his shot just like LeBron has, but he's the, the vision that he has and also the understanding of the game. And his ball handling is fine. I'm sure he has – I'm sure he'll work on it more this this offseason. He's had a couple of times where he's lost the ball this year, but for the most part, you know, his, his skill level is really high. And he can – he should probably see over whoever's guarding him at 6'5". So I'd be, I mean, it's, it's an interesting experiment and I'd love to see it play out. I know he's, he pretty much pseudo runs the point down the stretch of games um, at this point. Yeah. And, 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 th- but although they do have him catching it at the you know the extended elbow and things like that and running through him. But yeah, I mean, as far as his NBA, I, I don't know. The NBA nowadays is, is positionless as people keep saying. And I feel like with his skill level and if he keeps shooting the ball at the rate that he is and how smart he is, although he's not, very long and he also doesn't have you know great um, leaping ability I still think there's a spot for a guy that can make shots and is strong and you know he, he comes from a place that teaches good defense but yeah what do you think what are your thoughts on it I mean I think the problem with the NBA is they have very preconceived notions of what you need to be to play in that league and if you don't fit those preconceived notions, it's hard to get your foot in the door. Now, once you get your foot in the door, you can play yourself into staying around for a while, but the, the deck is kind of stacked against you. And and Jaron as a two or a three in the NBA right now just isn't where the NBA is at. You know, the, we're getting right now, Berg, twos are like six, seven, six, eight, six, nine. And and threes are even you know even similar height but like bigger stronger six eight six nine and if you don't fit those boxes it can be difficult so if you can add a skill set because really what they want in the NBA right now and you mentioned positionless what they want is versatility right and and the ability to do more than just one or two things. And right now, as an NBA prospect, I would say Jaron only fits one or two boxes. If he could add point guard to that, and now you can play him a li- some at the one, as a backup at the one, you can bring him in for scoring at the two, and you can do a little bit more with him, I think that makes him more of a guy that the NBA would, would you know, have an interest in. Yeah, they- Um there's a guy like there's. He reminds me kind of of like Spencer Dinwiddie, who went to Colorado, and he's about six five or so. And he he you know he plays the point guard position, and that's one of the reasons why he he got a he got a shot. He's just got a big contract with Brooklyn. There are players like him in the NBA. I also think though that in this in in this in today's game, the three point shot is 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 huge. If you make threes and you can do other stuff besides that, you have a shot. And there's plenty of guys in the league who aren't really that athletic, but that can make shots. So he just needs to continue to to stay with that. But yeah, like you said, if he adds that to the table, um, to his repertoire, then I, the thing is, like you said, when they look at if if they don't fit into a certain box or a certain length or whatever the case is, height, um, athleticism. I mean, look, it's going to be really hard for him to get drafted unless he becomes a first team All American next year. Just SK and was the first team so, All American yeah, and didn't know, get drafted. Say, yeah, even so, although SK was about six three, you know, Cumberland's a little bigger, and Andy was twenty eight. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. hurt him. That hurt him more than anything. <laughs> yeah. So either way, so he probably won't get drafted. Like you know, he may he may sneak in at the end, but he's not somebody who's going to be a first round pick unless he's shooting well above forty percent. And like, yeah. So maybe it is the key to to um, you know opening up some eyes of some some general managers out there and some scouts that that he does more. And you know what? I, I'd be interested to get some scouts takes. I know there was some at the UCLA game looking at all their players. I wonder what any of them would have had to say about Jaron. I, I, I wasn't able to, to get to any of those guys, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see what people think about that. But I mean, it just shows that, you know, Nick definitely um, understands that, that he has a, a, you know, an elite talent here and he wants to do the best he can to get them to the next level. And, and I don't think it's going to hurt the team. It's not one of those things that's going to hurt the team. Like maybe Damon Flint playing point guard back in the day, because there was nobody right. else. So, I'd be fine with it. I would love to see it. I mean, I think we've, in large part, we've already gotten a look at what it looks like, and it, yeah. it looks fine. Yeah. It, it, it's not troublesome at all saying the ball's going to be in Jaron Cumberland's hands. And he brings anyone. the ball up. Yeah, he brings up, at the end of games, I mean, they just pass inbounded to him underneath the basket. He dribbles it all the way up and runs the play. Right. Um, you had a pretty good article. Uh, the. the Pretty good. I'll give you pretty good. <laughs> uh, that we we put up yesterday. Uh, how this team is uh, is eighteen and three. Um, take me through it. Uh, what are the things when you started to we because we talked about this on Sunday. Um, wanted to do something that just kind of took a look back as we get a little breather before the stretch run. It took a look back at it. How has this team been able to do it, uh, especially? The, you start with the loss to Ohio State. Hiccups, lovely. Uh, you start with the loss to Ohio State, and then you know, the Mississippi State loss. I don't think anybody was was too surprised by. But then the shocker at East Carolina. But no matter what, this team's had some resiliency, and they've had some things that they can fall back on. And and I think Berg, that list of things they can fall back on is still growing as we get through uh, going into the stretch run. Yeah, you just. It's like you're just building this thing piece by piece along the way, and that's what that's what you have to do when you don't have guys who have played a lot of minutes in, in big situations. And so you get the first game. Yeah, a lot of things didn't go well. They said, well, they learn a lot from game one, which was – and I think what they learned from game one has really been a big factor in the offensive efficiency, and that is don't settle for jump shots. Keep working, keep working. Try to get downhill. Try to get fouled. These last two games on the road, I mean, 36 free throw attempts, 16 uh, uh, three-point attempts is like, I mean, you, you never would have seen that in, in past UC teams. But, but yeah, you know, you start at the beginning of the season and you, you just say, okay, well, what are the things that we can, we can do? We can protect the paint. I mean, that's something that Bearcat teams always do. We can, we can work hard and get deflections on defense. So now you see, okay, they're getting, you know, a decent amount of turnovers, you know, top 40 in turnover percentage. That's, that's pretty standard you know, block shot percentage, two-point percentage, all that stuff on defense. The three-point defense, yeah, it's been rough. It's been rough. That, that hasn't been figured out just yet, although, as we talked about earlier, maybe the second half against Temple um, is, is like a seed for, you know, down the road. If, if teams get hot, they can switch to that, and, and maybe they can, they can you know, um, get out in front of that a little bit. But, but yeah, you, you just – as it, as it keeps going on, you're just like, okay, well, now we're getting out rebounded. We're not rebounding as well as we need to. We need to work on that. Okay, great. Now the last three games are destroying teams on the glass. So, what are those numbers again? 
plus 12, plus 18, and then plus 24 in the last three. Yeah, plus 24 on the road. I mean, you know, <laughs> that, now, that, now that listen, Temple, Temple's soft on the glass. Like, Memphis crushed him on the offensive glass, too. So there's a, you know, you got you to gotta at least mention that. But still, 46 to 22 is insane. So, yeah, so you just keep going down the list of stuff. And meanwhile, as that's happening, you have each player figuring out their role more, especially like you mentioned with the bench. Guys know what what they need to do when they come in to be productive and to, to help the team, like a Trevor Moore or something like that, or Logan. Um, so, you know, the roles are being defined. The boxes are being checked. And now as you're, you're two-thirds of the way through the season, you can look – Look at all these boxes that have been checked at different segments. And now, as long as they continue, especially with the rebounding, you know, they look like a pretty formidable team. The offensive efficiency is much higher than people thought it would be. Um, guys are in their roles and, and guys have stepped up their games like a Trayvon Scott, for instance, and definitely a Brooks. And, and you know, Williams has been working really, really hard um, his whole life. And it's, it's starting to pay off like earlier than people thought. Justin Jennifer, another guy who worked really hard. So, you're, you know, and, and Jaron has, has even elevated his game. But now you get to the point where, okay, we got, there's, you know, there's 10 games left. What needs to be improved on? And everyone would look at the three-point defense. And, and again, the Temple game could have been um, a good start to that, something maybe they learned that they, they can use. But really the fouling, they, that's the thing. Like that's like the last kind of, um, you know, typical Bearcat category that they need to make some hay and they need to they need to clean that up you can't put a team on the road in, in a game where you know it's going to be a tight game on the line 31 times you just you, know, you dodge the bullet that they only make 19 so there's you know they did well against Wichita in that in that category although Wichita wasn't very aggressive Temple was driving a lot um, so so I think that's that's probably if I'm Cronin and the staff I'm sure they I'm sure they know that and they're Probably doing lots of things, um, showing film, working with guys. And a lot of the stuff is is stuff that I feel like you can avoid, like reach-ins and things like that. And some of it is just inexperience as far as being a little late on maybe a coverage or something like that. But you know, just and but you can watch college basketball as a whole. I, I, I watched a game last night, Virginia, NC State. Like these guys are reaching in. Like, stop reaching in. There's no need. There's a seven footer <laughs> right behind you. You just gave them two free throws when a guy would have blocked it. So but in general, yeah, the team—it's just been like like inch by inch, and uh, now you've you're you're you know, it's like it's like planting a seed, and you know some little buds are coming up, and now it's like you know, getting close to blossoming. And, and like it, this team, what strikes me is their ability to improve. Uh, Mick has been harping all season on block shots. I believe they're top five in the country in block percentage now. Um, you know, each thing, it seems like they're going through and they're being able to check that box. All right, we got to get better at this. Check. We got to get better at this. Check. We got to get better at this. Check. We we need to do this to be a better team. Check. And and, and so far, they've been answering that bell. The, the playing defense without fouling thing, I don't think people realize how hard that is to do the way Mick wants you to play defense. Um, I think it has is, is kind of been taken for granted how good they have been at it over the past three, four, five years. Um, and, and now you've got a new bunch, and they're they're learning how to do that and learning, like you said, don't reach in on that drive. Let the shot get blocked. Don't, don't come across from help too aggressively and take away an opportunity for your guy that's there to block the shot to block the shot. Like, And some of that was, I think, back – 
early in the season, the shot blocking wasn't there. So then they're trying to overcompensate. Well, now those guys have figured out where to be on the help side a little bit better. They've figured out where to come from the weak side and be able to block a shot. Um, so you don't have, you know, it's an adjustment to, okay, we weren't doing this well before. Now we are doing it well. So we need to get better in some of these things that allow us to be good at it because they probably are losing at least one, maybe two blocks a game on fouls. Right. Yeah. And one thing I didn't mention during that whole, uh, spiel there was the turnovers because they had they did have the trouble especially on the road in those first few road games a lot of turnovers yeah if you're on the road it's just really you know it just shrinks your margin air margin for error down to nothing if you're turning the ball over and it was a big reason i mean you're not coming back at temple if you have eight more turnovers in that second half it's just not going to happen so they're they're they've, they've somehow found a way to get into the top 25 in the country and turnover percentage on offense so that's another box that that they can be that they can check, and that's just like the maturation of, of a young team or, or an inexperienced team. And it's in, you know you just look at the whole look at how hard everyone is working on the team, and they're all working towards something like common goal. It's just a foundation. It's a program thing, and it's it's a character thing that 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 Cronin gets these kids that have the the work ethic, the character. They understand what needs to be done to win games, and that's what they're trying to do. And so they're eighteen and three. So, Berg, the people at home now, they've gone to 513 shirts. They've <laughs> bought their uh, their Don't Shoplift Tradition gear. Um, it's a Saturday morning, maybe a Sunday morning. You're getting ready to go to a watch party at Taft's Brewporium to check out the Bearcats in an important road game. But uh, what do you need to do to, to get, you know, get a little pep in your step before you get on the road? Trace Pontas. Trace Pontas Coffee. They sell freshly roasted gourmet coffee shipped directly to you. The coffee beans are roasted to order your order and shipped out immediately. Every bag of beans they ship to you has the roast date printed clearly on it so you know that your coffee is fresh. All coffee orders are roasted fresh for you and shipped out immediately. They offer 12-ounce bags in both whole bean and ground coffee. You can choose between light, medium, dark, and French roasts. You go to tracepontas.com slash coffee www.trespontas.com slash coffee. You go to checkout. When you get to checkout, you enter Bearcats as your promo code. That gives you 25 or 20% off every bag of coffee in your subscription, and you also get free shipping. So www.tracepontas.com slash coffee. Enter Bearcats at checkout. Get 20% off. Get your subscription today. As I have talked about, my, my family is uh, they we are at tracepountos.com slash coffee family now, <laughs> and it is spread far and wide. I'm gonna start. I'm gonna I'm gonna start uh, taking it to family functions and making coffee, and, and just handing it out to make you want some coffee. You want some coffee? You want to try? You want a little taste? It's a uh, it's an old sales technique that, that people use to. Get people hooked on drugs, Berg. <laughs> <laughs> Caffeine is a drug. Caffeine is a drug. Hey, how about this really fresh, delicious, uh, great-tasting coffee? And then I will tell them, tracepountus.com slash coffee, enter Bearcats at checkout. You, too, can get your own subscription and have it delivered to your house every one, two, or four weeks. That's your choice when you sign up for a coffee subscription. So that's what you need to do. And that's, of course, after you go to 513 Shirts, you get your Don't Shoplift Tradition merchandise, you get your TracePountas.com coffee, and then you go to Taft's Brewporium for the watch parties. 
And that and way, eat pizza and gigantic wings. Yeah, and that way you have a full Bearcat Journal day. We want people to have the full BCJ podcast, the full BearcatJournal.com experience. Those are the three ways you do it. So that's what you need to do. Um, I, I, I've seen this question floating around a couple different places. I've seen it on Twitter, seen it on a couple different message boards. I, I'm, I'm going to steal it because I, I, I think I've got an interesting answer. Justin Berg, who do you think from the end of last season to right now is the most improved person on the Cincinnati roster? Hmm. Man, that is a really loaded question, isn't it? I, I, I mean, I, I just I thought of like three different people right off the bat, but maybe Nasir Brooks would be my guy. Because okay. at the end of last season, remember – he really was not able to contribute anything on either side of the ball. He wasn't able to grab a rebound cleanly and put it back in. And um, I feel like he's just been a, a steadying force up front for them. But this could have – I mean, you could you could say Keith Williams, who – but we didn't see a lot from him last year, so we don't really know how good he was, although he is the second-leading scorer now at 11 a game. Um, Justin Jennifer <laughs> – do you have one in mind? Yeah, I do. All right. Well, I want to hear yours because I, I could list six. Jaron Cumberland. Oh. Do tell why. He's going to be the AAC player of the year. Like, he's gone from pretty good to really, really freaking good. And this team isn't close to where it's at right now. If it's not on the back of Jaron Cumberland, especially since we got to the start of conference play, he has bailed them out in multiple on multiple occasions uh, when they're struggling uh, in conference play. He's averaging, what, 23, 24 points a game in AAC play. He's won four conference player of the year or conference player of the week awards. Um, he's already halfway through two thirds of the way through his junior season tied for the most conference player of the week awards in conference history. I'm going Jaron Cumberland. Okay. Can I give you a rebuttal? Uh, yeah. I think he's been this good since he got to UC. He just hasn't had the opportunity. I, I, he, I mean, he didn't shoot his, the three like now, this. No, yes. Okay. He didn't he get did. fouled like this. Okay. I'll give you those two. I'll give you the three-point shooting and the, and, the, and the getting to the foul line. Although I don't know really what his usage rate was to be able to get to the foul line. But he, you're right. He did settle a lot for – for jumpers, but yeah, he has been he he has been the driving force behind everything, and the and the, clearly the team is better with him on the floor by a mile if you look at the analytics. So okay, I mean, hey, you're entitled to your answer. I wouldn't say him because I feel like he was already pretty much this good. He just his three point shooting percentage, that's where he's improved, and getting to the foul line more because he's had the ball in his hands a ton. The last couple of years, it was Troy had the ball all the time and Jacob had the ball a lot. Gary, Kyle. Now he has the ball. His usage rate so much higher. But, yeah, his ability to to get fouled, um, it's what the team needs. I'll give you that. But I, I, would, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have him as mine, but, you know, that, that is an interesting answer from your perspective. So who's yours? You said you got six. I need one. Oh, yeah. Okay. You're copping out on me, Berg. All right. Keith Williams. I'll go with Keith. Okay. That's I'll not... go with Keith because he – He didn't hardly play. He played like eight, nine minutes a game last year. I can I can totally see the argument for Keith Williams. Completely. Yeah. Well, he also I – mean, there just weren't any minutes really for him. 
yeah. last year. But just but I even mean, when he was out there, we didn't yeah. get we didn't get a glimpse of this. No, there, we did not know that he would contribute in pretty much all facets of the game and be as a. I think the thing that's been shocking to me is the efficiency on offense for him. And I and you know I was talking to his high school coach about this, and he said that look how efficient he is. He doesn't just take shots just to take them. You know, he he takes the shot that's there, the right shot. He really hasn't forced much. A couple times, maybe you're wondering about a you know, step back jumper here or there, maybe a three. Yeah, I don't know, a little early in the clock. But then you go to he, he makes them. I mean, look right. at the Temple game. They're down by one, and you know, with about eight minutes to go, whatever it was, and and he pulls up for that three. I'm thinking that's a little early in the clock. Swish, Bearcats get their first lead. So, yeah, I you know he goes from whatever he was percentage wise last year, like in the teens, to 35 from three. His consistency, I just don't think like you you don't see the consistency from a young. Mick always says so often, young players are inconsistent. Keith Williams has not been inconsistent this year. No, that's been the most shocking thing has been the consistency. Because it, it felt like it was going to take probably a season for him to get there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And he completely skipped that process. Yeah, he just he, was like, no, yeah. I'm going to be an impact guy now. Yeah, he ain't waiting. And no, you got you got to give him a ton of credit for that. It yeah. has been it has been very good. I I don't have a problem with your answer. I I just I I think. Man, where would this team be without Jaron Cumberland? <laughs> and maybe that's more of a case for him as like MVP than most improved, but I think he's both. Uh, so, you know, that's that's my take on it. Okay. Um, SMU coming up this weekend. I, I thought this was going to be uh, an interesting home and home with SMU um, a week and a half ago. It sounds like I, – I don't expect to see Jure Foster, especially Saturday night. But I don't know that we're going to see him the rest of the season. Um, and that's a huge blow to them. They're already limited on depth, uh, as they have been for the past three years. And when you're already limited on depth and you're only playing really six or seven guys and your number one guy goes down, that's really difficult. It's really yeah. difficult to do anything with. Yeah, he's he's by far their most important player. I mean, you can see it with the eye test and analytically, it, it says it as well. Um, I was just looking on, I guess from from uh, Coach Jankovic had his radio show the other night, and he said um, it's not an ACL, uh, but there is some damage, there is some swelling. We don't know yet the true prognosis of the length of this, so we don't know how long he's going to be out. Um, we don't even know for sure whether he'll be able to come back or not. He says, he says, we do know it's not an ACL. It's some other ligaments and structural things. So based on that, I, mean, I don't know that they're going to try to, cause I guess what the Bearcats play them on the February 27th is the second time they play them. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. So. so, so he definitely won't be in, and you know, he won't be, um, suited up Saturday night and you look at, so he goes down at the very beginning of that Houston game. They had one. They, they had only lost one conference game. It was on the road to, to UConn. They had won, uh, let's see, since he came back, four, like nine out of ten or so. Um, they lost TCU They were at playing home well. Close, yeah, they are playing very well. They um, And so they end up losing to Houston at home by 11. Then they get destroyed at Memphis um, the next game. And then they played Tulane last Saturday. And I, I was watching some of that game. They were down at halftime or, or pretty close to it. They struggled to 
to get they got a ten point win. So yeah, with him out of the lineup, they're just not the same team. And that's so, obvious. You got to feel good about Saturday. Um, get that win. And then you've got a huge week, and I'm sure we'll talk about it more next week. But Memphis at home is is really really good. They're not the same team on the road, but they've got they've got quite a few veterans. Um, Jeremiah Martin's playing really well. Uh, mm-hmm. Kion Davenport is playing really well. Uh, they're getting some some stuff, some addition from their freshmen, the young guys, uh, especially Tyler Harris, which is a guy that UC looked at uh, for a while. Um, beating them is not going to be easy. And then you go Thursday, Sunday, Memphis to Houston, and, and you've got to deal with Kelvin Sampson's bunch in the Frittata Center. Um, <laughs> oof, that's a yeah, rough week next that's, week, that's, man. That's definitely one of those just try to get a split weeks. It just is. It's just it's going to be it's a lot to ask to win both of those. You think you have a better chance against Memphis. Memphis really wants to play very, very fast. They're seventh in the country in adjusted tempo. So if UC can get them in one of those good old slow up and down the court type of things, make them have to guard, they foul a lot too. So that would be your your key to win that one. But they, they're they really good on the glass. They got, got some sneaky seniors too, like Rainier Thornton and Mike Parks Jr. are always tough. Kareem Bruton can can hurt you from the outside. And a couple, a couple other talented freshmen um, – that, that Antoine Jones dude's pretty good. And then what's I'm the other a, guy, I'm Lomax? A, I'm a big Alex Lomax guy. Alex I love Lomax, me some yeah. Alex Lomax. Um, I just got word, Berg. Yeah. Watch party, Houston, Sunday, February 10th, 4 p.m., Taft's Brewporium. Mm, okay. It's the biggest. It's the biggest AAC road game of the year. We've had pretty good success going to Taft's. We're gonna we're gonna dial it up again Sunday, February tenth, four p.m. Taft's Brewporium, the Bearcat Journal watch party as the Bearcats travel to Houston to take on the Cougs, and uh, I'm excited for that one. That, that that should be a fun Sunday afternoon without question. Well, not necessarily. Yeah, they're they're it's gonna be fun, Berg. Damn it. <laughs> the you game might were, not be. You thought they were gonna lose a Temple. I did, <laughs> but uh, I think that'll be a, that'll be a good time. And and we've done a the, the the UC fans that listen to this podcast and subscribe to Bearcat Journal have done a great job supporting us and supporting Tafts, both the Brewporium and the Ale House. Uh, head to the Ale House, get yourself some smoked tri tip, or go to the Brewporium and get yourself some pizza and some gigantic wings. I still can't get over those wings, dude. Yeah, Justin McBride-sized wings. Justin McBride wings. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm serious. That It looked like a basket of 12 when they set it down on the table. Yeah. And it was a basket of six. Those were like some caveman wings. They were the size of your face. Not the size. <laughs> my face is huge, so they weren't the size of my face. But they were the size of your face. face. My daughter's Jeez. face. Yeah. I literally like looked at them like, are you kidding me? You held it up. I was like, that's like my forearm. <laughs> and they were good. Yeah, I liked them. How, you had the what the barbecue? Mm-hmm. I, I'm a buffalo guy. Yeah, I, I'll probably yeah I want to try that one too. I'm a buffalo guy, so I'll probably do buffalo for uh, for Houston on February 10th, um, as we have another yet another in a full season, a full 2018-2019 season 
of events at Taft's Brewporium. So make sure you're there. Get it on your calendar. Get out your phone right now. I'll wait. <laughs> February 10th. What what do you think do you think there'll be some celebrities at the Cincinnati Houston game like maybe Paul Wall or big like any of those any of those rappers down there Mike I Jones or somebody I don't know. Are you going to go like are you you trying to you trying no, to I'm get just, in the rap just, game or I'm just wondering if maybe uh, uh some people would show up for that one cuz you can remember how SMU had some guys showing up there president yeah, bush like the, and, the president yeah tony romo i believe <laughs> might have been at a game yeah romo's yeah. been at a couple so yeah so i mean if houston's trying to get <laughs> Trying to get their 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 uh, program, you know, really running running strong down there. I wonder if they'll. I mean, Houston's a big city. I mean, I don't know. Maybe you end up with like Chris Paul, and I mean, I don't know what where they they'll they'll be. You know, guys from the Rockets. Gary should be there if they don't. If they're in oh, town. I would assume Gary would be there if they're home. He's, he's got to give the the, the pre game locker room speech. Yeah, he's a Houston favorite right now. He shows up and, <laughs> and gives the locker room speech right before the Bearcats beat the Cougs. Might might turn the tide a little bit. Although I I, I don't think the, the the Cougs move the needle needle nearly as much as the Rockets in that town. No, as evidenced by the fact that they're only drawing like five thousand people a game, which is really sad considering you just renovated the arena. But it doesn't I'll hold say, that many though, right? It holds like seven or eight. Yeah, and they're, okay. they're they're only at like sixty sixty five percent capacity. I think last I saw, which makes me think how much longer is Kelvin Sampson going to be there? But that's for another. Another topic of conversation some other time. You're going to fire him too? No, I'm, not, I'm saying he'll, he'll get a different job. <laughs> Berg is just eliminating coaches from the AAC week by week. That's is, That'll be your second Houston article when they come here for senior day. Is this it for Kelvin Sampson at Houston? <laughs> is this his last regular season game? <laughs> You've already you've already run Frank or uh, um, uh, Frank Haith Frank Haith out of Tulsa. I know Andre Fouché, the SID. He was. He said, "What are you doing? You know, why'd you write that? It's, it's what's going on, man. He's, <laughs> he's. I mean, he's down to. He's. He's like. He's in the bunker right now. Like you know, there's the fans are closing out. Mm-hmm. He's. They haven't done anything really in his tenure there. And you're you're he's a baseball guy. A lot of money. You're a baseball guy. It's the bottom of the ninth. There's two outs, no balls, two strikes, and he's down six. Nobody yeah. on base. <laughs> That's a good, yeah. I didn't go that far. I, <laughs> well, I, I said he still has a he has somewhat of a chance. Like in that analogy, at least he would have had somebody on base. Okay, okay runner on first, yeah. down six, runner on first. <laughs> right. So he couldn't beat Cincinnati. He couldn't beat Houston. So now his only hope is to win the conference tournament and then win a couple of games in the NCAA tournament. That's that's all he has to do. Yeah. That's not much. It's it's like he has the Quan Jeffries. So he's got to hit a six run home out. run. Yeah, six run homer. <laughs> oh we'll have plenty more on both memphis uh did you real quick did you see penny penny has said coaches and media folk around the country are jealous of him and his staff yeah what what was your take what was your take on that i don't have a take who cares whatever come on we're in the take business berg (laughs) i mean he he's what's jim say say have a take don't suck (laughs) <laughs> your takes suck right now yeah well <laughs> what do you want me to do you just shake your head and say what a dumb thing to say that's my take i mean i i don't love it but i do like interesting and i do like coaches that say things that make things interesting even if it's dumb 
and I think he's already a couple times this year. I mean, he, he's gone after Rick Barnes. He's now going after all the other coaches in the country um, who he feels like are jealous of him. And uh, it's interesting, at least. Okay. Yeah, this conference, there's there's interesting things about it. There's frustrating things about it, too. As in Central Florida, everyone thinks they're going to win the league and they can't win on the road um, against either Wichita or Memphis. The Memphis, I guess you could you could excuse, but not the, not the Wichita loss with the way that they've been playing. So, yeah. And Temple was supposed to be one of those teams. Now they're down to 75th in Ken Palm. And they, Memphis they, they, has got a better shot to make the tournament than Temple does right now. Just by winning the, the league or the league tournament. Well, but I mean, just in general, I think Memphis is up in the fifties. Yeah, but their non-conference was they got nothing. yeah they got absolutely nothing in the non-conference. They've still got chances against Houston and Cincinnati. To they get do. A mar- to, yeah. to get a marquee. You're right. I mean, you are exactly right. I mean, they could they could beat if they if they beat if they win at Cincinnati. That could definitely do it. I don't think they have Houston. Wait, let's see. Yeah, they're they're done with Houston. Oh, they're already done with Houston. Did they only yeah. get them once? Yep, on the road, lost by thirteen. They got they have Cincinnati coming up, like you said, next week, and then um, up here on March the second. Houston's schedule is significantly weaker than Cincinnati's this year. I'll just say yeah, that. and 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 as far as Memphis goes, I mean they only have one road win this entire season by four at Tulane. So. Yeah, they're they're not great on the road. That is yeah. that is that has been their bugaboo. But because when you watch them at home, I w- watching them against UCF, it was like, "Ooh, buddy." Yeah, you know why? They foul a lot and they turn the ball over a lot. Not, yeah. and they don't shoot the three very well. So not a very good combo. But they can get they if they don't turn the ball over. I'm sorry. They uh, they offensive rebound like crazy and they get to the foul line like crazy. So right, you know they have ways to win. And Jeremiah Martin is a, is a game-changing player. So we'll get to that next week. Yeah. That's going to wrap it up. He's Justin Berg. I'm sellout Chad Brendel. I'm a sellout <laughs> Berg. 513shirts.com, tracepoundtots.com slash coffee, and Tafts. We love them. <laughs> we'll see you next time. It's the BCJ Podcast on BearcatJournal.com. <laughs>